Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. And in this refill series, we've, we've talked quite a bit about different ways to, to refill. Um, we talked about church, the word, prayer, rest, worship, giving, and and who here's got something out of it? Say that they've learned ways that they can change their lives and be refilled. So I'm excited to continue this with relationships. And uh, as the, you know, the video, the first time I'd seen it, it's you know, obviously focused on some of the, the comical, romantic aspects of relationships. But uh, I want to go a little bit deeper in that with you today. A relationship ultimately is... When two things are related, there's, uh, there's a measurable distance. It's how far apart you are. It's position, whether over or under or side by side. It's the direction that two things are headed. It's how things are related, how they're connected, and the effect they're having on one another. And so we're going to talk about relationship, when people relate to one another and when, uh, when we relate to God. And so I want to start off, and uh, you know, we're not going to focus tremendously on the romantic aspect of things because relationships are much more than that. And there's so much of our lives that we're not in a romantic relationship or shouldn't be. Uh, and there's so many more relationships in our lives than just that. So I want to start off and talk a little bit about a, uh, an example that, that my wife and I came across. We watched the movie 42. Who here has seen the movie Jackie Robinson? I thought it was phenomenal. We loved it. So uh, Willie Morris writes in his book Parade, an excerpt here, I'll read it to you. It says, One example of friendship remains with me as vividly as the moment I first heard it as a boy. In his first seasons with the Brooklyn Dodgers, Jackie Robinson, the first black man to play Major League Baseball, faced venom nearly everywhere he traveled. Fastballs at his head, spikings on the bases, brutal epithets from the opposing dugouts and from the crowds. During one game in Boston, The taunts and racial slurs seemed to reach a peak. In the midst of this, another Dodger, a Southern white named Pee Wee Reese, called timeout. He walked from his position at shortstop toward Robinson at second base. He put his arm around Robinson's shoulder and stood there for what seemed like a long time. The gesture spoke more eloquently than the words this man is my friend. And then the, the crowd dies down, and Robinson later said of that very moment that the arm around his shoulder in that moment saved his career. Wow. Saved his career, that one gesture of friendship. I'm sure glad, because I like that movie. <laughs> but one relationship can change your whole career. One relationship can transform your life. One relationship could ruin your marriage. Relationships are powerful in your life to direct your life, to, to, to direct your path, and to shape who you are as an individual. We've all heard it said, uh, maybe some of you didn't know it came from 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 15, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. It's not what you know, but it's who you know. You guys heard these before? You can speak out loud if you want. (laughs) I've also heard it said that your income averages 
or your income is equal to the average of your five closest friends. Has anybody heard that before? Some of y'all are doing the math in your head right now. Like, wait. Think about that. Statistics show that married men live longer. Amen. Amen for being married. (laughs) Caleb got excited. There's some key relationships in our lives, and and they go beyond just the romantic. If we think about your relationship with God, we do have obviously marriage. There's your church. There's your your biological family, your friends, authority figures in your life. There's all sorts of different relationships uh, that that we live in. If we could bring up house lights, that'd be awesome. Um, But as as I thought about relationships and where I wanted to begin with this, uh, you know, I wondered where to begin. I was thinking about friendships and, you know, David and Jonathan and, and uh, you know, other people and, you know, Jesus and Mary and all these relationships in, in the Bible that we could examine. But I thought, like any wise person, let's just start back at the beginning. Let's start and see where it all began. So if you would turn with me, Genesis 1. We're going to read a few parts of Genesis 1 and 2. I don't want to go real long, so we'll just kind of jump around a little bit. Starting in verse 26, Genesis is the first book in the Bible, in case you can't find it. In verse 26 of chapter 1 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Someone say dominion. Dominion. I like that word. Over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that crawls in the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and every living thing that moves on the earth. And then it goes on from there. We're going to jump into chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Someone say work. Work. Ladies, if he don't work, he is not of God. That is a minimum requirement. (laughs) He created man to work. If that guy don't work, get rid of him. Some women, give me an amen. It's all right. All right. If you're not, unless you're married to him, you're married to him, it's a whole different story, sorry. Maybe we should clarify that. <laughs> man put him in the, yard, in the garden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat you shall surely die. Verse 18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. Any single men in the house? A few single men. If you're a single woman, look at that single man and say, You're messed up. Man, you can look back at the woman and say, what are you doing for lunch? <laughs> Not really, but you know, if you're going to meet someone, might as well do it in church, right? I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought it to the man. Uh, verse 20, the man gave names to all the livestock. Uh, verse 23, then the man said, uh, oh, whoops. Jumped around too far. Um, uh, Verse 21, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its its place with the flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. 
he brought her to the man. Women don't need to go hunting for men. Let God bring you to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woe man because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Amen. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this amazing example of relationships in our lives, God, how you began it a thing and how you ordained it, God. And, and I pray that your word would come alive, Lord, in the short time that I have. God, would you speak clearly uh, and eloquently, Lord, through me, that your word would change hearts and lives today in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So as we read this, it's an amazing, amazing account of how God created man. And, and I want to be just, you know, take a moment to, to think about for a minute our God, who is perfect in every way, all-powerful, all-knowing. I mean, he is perfect and flawless in his form. But our God is a relational God. In all of his perfection, he says, I want to create a host of angels. Who knows how many thousands, millions, I don't know. I want to create man in my image. That's an amazing thing, that he would look down upon his own creation for the sake of being in relationship. I don't believe that God gets lonely, but out of his nature, he is relational. And he wants to be in fellowship with you. He wants to be in community with you. And that's an amazing thing. If you read Psalm 8, it's, it's incredible. It says, uh, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion, I love that word, over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. The Bible says that we are friends of God. How amazing is that? He created us for this single purpose, for that one initial relationship as he created Adam just to fellowship with him. And if you consider, it's amazing even more so that, that you know, we think about our, uh, our relationship with God and how amazing that is that we have the privilege of being a friend of God, having that friendship and communion with him. But in the midst of that, it's amazing. The, the first point I want to bring is that uh, is that the, the God relates to man. God creates man. And immediately we have this, this uh, relationship of authority that God is over man. And, and God gives Adam commandments right away. God gives him authority right away. God gives him responsibility right away. And there's this immediate relationship. There's no, there's no question who's in charge. There's no question who's in authority. There's no question about, there's no gray area of that relationship. It's clear cut that God is God. And we are his creation. But yet he loves us. So God created man. That is the very first and foremost relationship that you've got to get right. We can talk about any other relationship in here, but if that one is not your foundation, the rest of your relationships don't matter. The rest of your life does not matter. Except for that one relationship is your foundation. That's got to be right. That vertical relationship has to be right before anything else. But I think it's amazing that, that God would say, 
in that verse that it's not good for man to be alone. And if you think about it for a second, we always think of that as, man, the dude needs to get married. You know, and we can joke about that because there's some truth to that. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> I wouldn't be who I am without my wife. Okay? But it goes beyond that. When it's just Adam and God, you would think that God being perfect and Adam having not sinned, he's, he's just made, you would think that that would be enough. Let's just hang out, you and me, God. But he said, it is not good that man should be alone. This is before sin. This is before the fall. This is man, and the way he's designed is to be in relationship with others. You are not meant to be alone. Some people would like to say that, man, you know what? Just me and God. I like this right here. This is all I need. I don't need anybody else. Just me and God. But that's not right. God created you to be relational. There's some people in this room, and probably a lot more people that are not in this room, who would say that, and don't raise your hand, but would say, man, I'm not a people person. I don't like people. And I've heard people say that. that I'm, just, I'm just not a people person. People frustrate me. I don't like being around people. You may not get a customer service job, but, but I want to challenge you. Don't say that about yourself. Don't say I'm not a people person because you declare that with your words over yourself and you create that identity that is contrary to God's character. Because our God is a relational God. Our God is a people person. He really is. And I'm not saying you're going to be over-exuberant, you know, be a greeter at the door or get up on stage. That may not be you. I mean, let's be honest. Even, even God flooded the earth. Right? I mean, he got frustrated. You know, he told Moses, man, these are a stiff-necked people. I'm just going to kill them all. And Moses begged, please don't. You know, he got frustrated too. I understand. People are frustrating. That's okay. But don't say you're not a people person. Because you are. Our God is a people person. And we read through the Bible that he spends generation after generation pursuing people. So why is that though? Why is it that people can be very frustrating and yet God calls us into relationship with other people? Well, Proverbs says it this way. Proverbs 27 says, Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We know that relationships are an integral part of our lives, and it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. As man relates to one another, I want to, as we think about two, you know, iron sharpens iron, two iron blades or iron swords, and the only way that these two objects are going to make each other sharper is when there's friction. Someone say friction. Slap your neighbor high five and say Friction. And sometimes, let's be honest, friction's not comfortable. When we're talking about people, right? Friction's not comfortable. Sometimes we describe it as getting rubbed the wrong way. If you hung out with me enough, you'll know that. If you hang around people enough, you'll know that. Stay in the church long enough, you'll know that. There's friction when people get together, isn't there? And too often times, though, people want to come into this church, and they say, oh, man, I'm just going to go sit in the back, I'm going to go sit on the side, and like eggs in an egg cart, man, you just want to keep your distance. Like, I got my little cubicle, and don't get in my bubble, and, and don't, don't talk to me. And you, you walk away, and we're, we're afraid to be in relationship because we're afraid of getting broken, getting hurt, getting rubbed the wrong way, being offended. And there's fear there, and sometimes that fear is based on a prior experience. You've been hurt before, 
instead of getting rubbed and being sharpened, maybe someone came at you and clashed with you, right? And they attacked you, and now your blade's got a big dent in it, or you're bent. But now you're bent in such a way that every time there's friction, it's painful, it's uncomfortable, because of what you're anticipating, what you're expecting. And you've pulled away from any relationships, but now you're living with this bent, living with this damage, living with this offense. And I want to challenge you, if you're on the outskirts, don't be afraid to open up. Don't be afraid to to get intimate with people. You will get friction. That's okay. Don't run away from the friction. There are people who are not in this room today because they were offended. They didn't like the friction. I don't know if Bert's here. He's got some amazing sandals on today. Is Bert in the room? No way. <laughs> man, I just want to point this out as an example. It was a few months ago. I didn't realize it, but every now and then, I stick my foot in my mouth. Anybody else do that? My wife's always like, amen, yes, you do. I stick my foot in my mouth, and I did that with Bert. And I can't remember what exactly I said. It was some, he was paying me a compliment, and it was something about my clothes. And I don't think about clothes. My wife just picks out what I wear. But if I look good, otherwise I probably picked it out. But I said something that offended Bert. I said, oh, you're silly, or you're crazy, or I can't remember what I said. And, and, and later he, he thought about it. I said, well, God, that was rude. And it probably was rude of me. But instead of allowing that to keep him from him and I being friends, he confronted it. And he said, no, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to go approach him and say, Brandon, hey, listen, you bothered me when you said that. That hurt me, and here's why. And he explained to me, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And guess what? I'm sharper because of it. He sharpened me. I grew because of that. And that was uncomfortable for him to do that. That was an easy thing. He was brave in doing that. So guess what? Now he's sharper. He was stretched out of his comfort zone. He did something new and stretched himself and provided leadership And now guess what? Now he's a stronger man because of that. And good came of it, and a relationship is built where we can walk forward in ministry together. And I know that if I take him off, and I'm going to do it again, that I know he's going to come to me and say, hey, man, you take me off. Let's talk about it. Like a mature adult, sharpened, so that you can do some damage to the enemy. Iron sharpens iron. Relationships are a powerful thing. But I want, to be, I want to be cautious as well, guys, because uh, it also, you know, as we talk about iron sharpening iron, there are people that do come at you the wrong way, and I understand that, and we want to be sensitive to that. There are people that you don't want to be friends with just any, anyone that comes along, because that, let's be honest, not everyone is iron like Bert, right? Some people are cobblestones. Some of you women, you need to, di- need to ditch your cobblestone, okay? If they're not making you sharper, then, then you, need to, you need to evaluate whether that relationship is something that you want in your life. If you are adding time to someone else, and if they're not getting sharper, evaluate how you spend your time. Is this relationship fruitful? You need to be cautious in relationships. You need to set boundaries, be selective, use discretion. Consider who it is you hang out with. I know that uh, for, you know, when you look at um, uh, Adam and Eve, when they became married, it said that that's why a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. Sometimes you do have to distance yourself in relationships. That's the right thing to do for your family, for your ministry, for your business. Sometimes you need to cut off ties or distance yourself in those relationships. So you need to use discretion when we're, when we're operating within relationships with people. Because some relationships are not going to be healthy. You've got to learn to say no sometimes. 
when that coworker who you know is up to no good is asking you to go out on the weekend, you've got to learn to say no. When that deadbeat guy asks you on a date, don't be afraid to say no. My wife and I, sometimes people will approach us and they'll look at my wife and say, Mel, you're beautiful, you're godly, you're powerful, you're a great mom. I want to be just like you. I want to hang out with you. And she'll hang out with people to minister to them, but she's told me stories recently how one person, she'll hang out with them, and they're just not getting it. They're not changing. They're not doing what she asked them to do. They're not, they're not engaged. They just show up because, well, school ministry said i got to get a mentor, so hey, Mel, will you hang out with me and mentor me? And other people are like, give me something to do. I want an assignment. I want to do something. Challenge me. Shape me. Like, if you see any flaws in me, tell me. And they, and they, and they are, they are mo- they're, they're moldable. They're malleable. As iron sharpens iron. They are able to be sharpened. They embrace that friction. Say, challenge me more. I want to grow. And so you need to determine uh, your relationships, that you are pursuing people that can sharpen you and people that can be sharpened. Because even, even uh, Jesus told his disciples, if they won't receive your word, dust your feet off. Move on. And I hate to say it that way because it sounds cold, and you've got to be cautious when you use that kind of judgment, but, but evaluate your relationships in your life. Which ones are fruitful in your life? Which ones do sharpen you, or are you sharpening someone else and leading them to Jesus? But not every relationship is going to be a healthy one. So God created man. Man relates to man. The last point here is that man has authority. I love that, that word dominion and authority. And, and we are created with that purpose. From the very onset as Adam is created, he's been given authority. He's been given dominion. He's been given power and responsibility. And you're created for that purpose, especially men. They say that a, a dump truck drives straighter when it's got a full load. And oftentimes, men, we put ourselves, we don't want any responsibility. We want to play video games. We don't want to do anything. But you are created for responsibility. You're created to bear a burden and to fulfill a purpose. So you have authority. And in the same way you have authority, you have authority over your own relationships. Too many of us are passive in in our relationships. We allow life to dictate who we hang out with. Well, these are the people I work with, and so I guess I have to hang out with them. Or, you know, this is my family, and, man, I guess I have to endure this, this verbal abuse I'm getting from my family member because this is just what life dealt me. But that's not the case. You have authority. In the same way that God was intentional to create Adam, you need to be intentional with your relationships. You need to be intentional with your relationships to decide who you hang out with, and you need to cut, feel free to cut people off. Or distance yourself. In the same way that God created us with intention, we can't be passive about our relationships. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and, uh, and Eve took the fruit to eat of it, it said that she turned to Adam who was standing there and gave him some too. Adam was there the whole time. But as this serpent came in, started talking to Eve, he remained silent. Just to see what happened. Oh, this serpent has stumbled upon us, and I guess we'll just kind of see what goes on. But in chapter 1 of Genesis, God gave him dominion. As soon as that serpent opened his mouth, you got to be like, bam! Done. When someone comes in to attack your marriage, your business relationships, when something wants to wedge in between relationships and ministry, man, you got to snuff that out. You've got to protect the relationships that God has put in your life. When there's a fence, address it. Be a mature man or woman of God and talk to someone about it. 
You've got to protect the relationship. Like I said, one relationship can ruin your marriage. One relationship can, can, can uh, make your business uh, succeed like, uh, like we read. And so whatever it is that you're facing, you decide your relationships. Take control over who you hang out with. If you, if you need to make a greater income, man, you got to start hanging out with wealthy people. Learn what they know. If you want to be a better father, go find a successful godly father. If you want to be a better husband, man, hang out with people that are successful husbands. If you want to be an amazing wife, go find an amazing wife and do what she does. If I want to be more romantic, i got to hang out with some romantic dudes and learn from them, Ben. I need some help. Some of y'all have texted like, help me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But you have authority to decide your own relationships. As we talk about Pastor Ben and Katie, you decide to address them as authority or not. There have been people that come to Ben and say, hey Ben, hey pal, hey buddy, what do you think about this? Okay, cool, I'll think about it. You think they got anything out of that relationship? No. When your boss approaches you, do you submit to your boss? Now, I understand you do what he says, because he's your boss. But, you know, I've talked to people in the military. Who, who knows that there are some officers in the military that, man, they are not good leaders. Yeah, some military guys are like, yes, I know. You do say, man, I know way more than that guy. And you'll do what he says, but, man, you're thinking to yourself, this guy is just a, just a doofus. But will you submit to your authority? Not just to, not just to obey, but to submit to the authority, to protect your authority. How do you talk about your boss behind his back? How do you talk about your pastor when he's not there? Do you protect your pastor? Do you submit yourself to authority? Because that's a decision. You can buck authority. You can you know, put on the face like you're submitting, but you're really not. But you submit to authority. If you address Pastor Ben as pastor and you obey because you know he's a man of God and God told you to submit to him, obey God. Because listen, if you can't submit to authority, this is a whole other message, but if you can't submit to authority, you will not be given authority. You cannot be a successful leader, a sharpened blade, useful in the kingdom, useful to guide and lead people, unless you yourself have submitted to authority and understand that. So I want to challenge you, as you take authority in your own life, you have to submit to authority. You have to submit to authority. Showing up is not enough. If I want to show up to my marriage, that's not enough. If I want to show up to church, it's not enough. I want to challenge you, showing up here is not enough. Adam showed up to the serpent Eve. Just watch, it's not enough. You've got to be proactive. You've got to take control. You've got to take part in these relationships, in church. You've got to expose yourself sometimes to other people and, and build intimate relationships. You've got to, even at the workplace, I, my boss challenged me and said, hey, Brandon, why are you here? I said, well, I want to be surrounded by successful people. Well, yeah, that sounds textbook good, but when is the last time you actually connected with the owner? When is the last time you asked me to go out to lunch? When is the last time you built relationships with people here at work? I haven't. What about you? What about in this church? What have you done to show yourself friendly to someone else? What have you done to build relationships here so that you can be sharpened and so that you can sharpen someone else? As Adam in his silence was passive, 
in his relationship with his wife, in his relationship with God, he showed passivity. What, what, what happened from that? Sin and death. A separation from God. He was kicked out of Eden. He and his wife. And when God approached him, listen here, this is important. As God approached him, what does Adam turn and do? He says, Adam, what, what did you do? He approaches the man first. What does the man say? Well, who's the woman? You gave her to me. Yeah. It's your fault and her fault. And, and now there's separation between husband and wife. Because you know he heard about it. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> there's separation between a husband and wife. There's separation between God and man. Right. If you don't take control of your relationship, something else will. There is an enemy out to attack the healthy relationships in your life, your marriage, your in ministry, your families. Satan wants to tear those things apart. And if, we're, if, we're, if we remain passive in those, that's an opportunity for Satan to come in and cause division and strife. And we lose all peace and connection with God and sin comes and death comes because of that. Because of the fall of man, think of everything that's transpired since then with suffering and tragedy and wars and, and sickness and everything we've been through is because of those initial decisions. But there's good news. There's good news. As they were leaving the garden, it says that, that God gave them skins to cover themselves in their nudity. Your sin has caused death. Your sin has caused separation but the animal that died so that they could have those skins was just a, a foreshadow of everything to come after that. There must be blood shed for sin. In the same way that our mistakes and, and our faults have led us to a point where we're, we, we are ultimately separate from God except for that blood, except for that sacrifice. And that foreshadow of what was to come is Jesus. As she read that, that prophecy, I was weeping at the, 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 the exact description of what Jesus did, God's been playing this thing the whole time. God's been playing this thing the whole time. In the same way he was intentional with Adam, he's intentional with you guys. And he's called you, he's called you to be in relationship. And no matter what you've been through, he'll cover it. He'll cover it if you ask him. The sacrifice has already been made. The lamb has already been slayed. And he's ready to wash away your sins. He's ready to wash away your sins and to cover you no matter what you've been through, no matter what pain you're going through, no matter what damage has been done to you, he's here to cover it. He's here to cover it today. We can bring this full circle. The initial relationship is yours and God's. That is the priority. And everything else is gonna stem from that. Everything else stems from that. And so I want to invite you today, because the mistakes you've made, you feel the death that's in your life. You feel the death that's in your life, and you know that the mistakes you've made have led you to where you are right now. Damage has been done. You've damaged other people. Other people have even hurt you. But God wants you to forgive. And so he's willing to come forth and forgive you first. Go ahead and bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would come right now. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the message, God, the, the way you've established relationships in our lives to refill us, to strengthen us, to hold us accountable. 
to make us who we are, to make us sharper so that we can be effective for your kingdom, effective in life, in ministry, in business, to, to lead other people to you. So I pray for these people, God, that they would evaluate their, their relationships. I pray that they would come and they would make decisions, God, to, to live a life for you. And let everything else be birthed out of that. Let every decision they make in their relationships go back to what glorifies you. How do I obey God? For those of you in this room right now that would say, you know what? I've stepped away from God. I've separated myself from God. Maybe I've never been in a relationship with God. This is that point where he says, I'm here to cover you. I'm here to cover you. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.